all the galaxies out there, this awesome, great God, he chooses for himself a name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Imagine this great God, he chooses that he wants to associate and be close and near to us. I think this is such a wonderful series but because when I meditate upon it, when I think upon it, it fills my heart with so much joy for the great love that God has shown us by choosing to come near and to become God with us. Last week, we looked at Jesus coming to bring us hope. Thank you, Sylvester, for a good message. Today, we're looking at Jesus came to bring joy. Joy to the world. Now, everyone in the world is searching for happiness. Whether you're Christian or non-Christian, all of us have it wired into us that we are searching for happiness. But Christian joy is not about seeking of pleasure. It's actually quite the opposite, and we're going to look at that today. It's a curious paradox in life that the more we seek to be happy, the more miserable we become. Isn't that weird? The more desperate we are to be happy, the more unhappy we get. A famous writer by the name of Eric Hoffer, he once said, a search, the search for happiness is one of the chief sources of unhappiness. So why is joy and happiness so elusive? Why is it so hard to find? Where is joy found? Well, first of all, joy is not found in unbelief. There was a man by the name of Voltaire. He was a non-believer, an atheist of the most profound type. And he said, I wish I had never been born. Doesn't sound like a very happy guy, hey? So I don't think he found joy. It's not found in unbelief. Again, joy is not found in pleasure. A guy by the name of Lord Byron, he lived a life full of pleasure, much more than many. And he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. What a sad man. So, it's not in pleasure. Can you guys see? Do I need to move? It's okay? All right. Well... Another place where joy isn't found, it's not found in money. A guy by the name of Jay Gold, he was the, an American millionaire. He had plenty of money. But when he was dying, he said, I suppose I'm one of the most miserable men on earth. Can you imagine? With all that wealth, he died a miserable man. Joy also is not found in position and fame. Some of us think if we just gain a title, if we gain recognition, if people respect us, then I'll be happy. But it's not found in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield was a man who enjoyed both a lot of position and fame. But he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood is a struggle, Old age is a regret. What a depressed man. <laughs> so guys, if you're seeking joy through position and fame, just, just learn from Lord Beaconsfield because he didn't find it there. It's not worth searching there. 
Again, joy is not found in military glory. Alexander the Great, many of you have heard of him, he conquered the known world of his day. And having done so, he wept before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? That was his statement. He was in tears. Where is joy? Where is real joy found? The answer is simple, although very elusive. It's found in Christ alone. Joy is found in Christ alone. Hallelujah. Well, maybe one of the reasons why joy is so hard to find is because many people mistake joy and happiness for being the same thing. But happiness is something that's very temporary, whereas joy is something that's lasting. Happiness is something that's caused by external experiences and circumstances. So when something good happens to you, you're filled with happiness. Whereas joy springs from within and is an internal experience. So though they look similar, they're different, okay? Happiness is not present when we're in the midst of a storm. It just vanishes. When you most need it, when life is hardest, it just evaporates. Whereas joy brings with it a feeling of contentment and confidence, which can take us through the worst storms in life. Happiness, therefore, is very unpredictable, and it's a human natural emotion. But joy is supernatural. It comes from God. That's why it's found in Christ alone. Joy is a conscious commitment to be happy and to have a sense of gratitude and contentment despite life's challenges. Jesus came to bring joy. And when we look at the whole season around the time where Jesus was born, we see so many mentions of joy. The first time we see it is when the angel came to Zacchaeus and said to him that he was going to be the father of John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus. The angel said to him, that, said to Zacchaeus, that your son will be of great joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Because when they realized that John the Baptist was the forerunner, then they knew that, wow, the time has come for the Messiah, the King of Kings that we've been waiting for. That was the first mention in connection with Jesus' birth, even before he was born. And then when Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary also was pregnant with Jesus, they were both pregnant with their babies in the womb. The Bible says that when Elizabeth met Mary and heard her voice, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt with joy. Imagine that. Jesus is just a baby in his mother's womb, and he's already causing so much joy that somebody else's baby is leaping for joy in the womb. Tells me that something, Jesus came to bring joy, okay? 
At Jesus' birth, we know of the angels. When they went to the shepherds, they said, we bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That good news was Jesus. Jesus has come, and he will bring great joy. Not just joy, great joy. About the wise men, the Bible says that when they found the baby Jesus, they were overjoyed. Can you just sense that there's just a presence of joy and celebration and excitement just around the time, just when Jesus was born? Yet many of us associate Jesus with a very sad religious image. I'm sure most of us have seen these Catholic uh, pictures or, or, or paintings of Jesus with a very sad face, with a crown and a bit of blood dripping, maybe a tear coming out of his eye. Have we all seen those ones? Yeah. Many people associate Jesus with a sad person. And one of the reasons is because one of the most memorable lines in the Bible that was prophesied about Jesus is in Isaiah 53, where Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. He said, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So many people think, yeah, that means that Jesus was a sad man. But wait a minute. Why was Jesus a man of sorrows? Verse 4 goes on to say in Isaiah 53, Surely he has borne our grief, and he's carried our sorrow. Why was Jesus sorrowful? Because he carried your pain, your suffering, your sorrow, and your grief. In his mission to save us, he entered not only into our flesh and our blood, but he also entered into our sorrows. And yet nowhere in the New Testament does it say that Jesus was a man of sorrows. Yes, he carried our sorrows, and he even had his own share of them, I'm sure. But Jesus was much more than a man of sorrows. Fundamentally, he was a man of something much, much stronger. Jesus would not have been able to bear our grief and sorrow had he not been buoyed up by something that was so much deeper and more enduring. Jesus did taste deep sorrow. He entered into our sin-haunted environment and felt our pain. He felt our loss, our betrayal, our rejection, guilt, shame, all of these painful emotions that are associated with being human in a fallen world. Jesus came to earth and felt all that. Why? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that he did this in order for him to be able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus became man just like you and I so that he could feel what it was like to suffer pain like you and I. How was Jesus able to carry the pain of the world and yet not be crushed under its weight? I think some of us feel that our share of pain and sorrow is too much to bear, and yet we only carry our own. Imagine Jesus carrying the sin and the weight of all of our sorrow and grief upon himself. 
How was he able to do that? The surprising testimony of the Gospels is that Jesus was a man of unparalleled and unshakable joy. He was not a sad person. He was a joyful person. God's son, even before the creation of the world, was infinitely happy with his father before and during the creation of the world. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. It says about God, When he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Does that sound like a sad God? It sounds like he's super happy, filled with delight, rejoicing always. And imagine he's delighting in mankind and you and me. That's the God we serve. That's our God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So this is a scripture that speaks about Jesus, and God actually anointed Jesus with an oil of joy. I believe Jesus, as he walked here on earth, he was so full of joy that people didn't understand. What is it he eats? What is it he does? He just wakes up and he's happy. He's just happy all the time. Now, sure, there were times when he was struggling and carrying heavy burdens, but fundamentally, Jesus had this supernatural joy that buoyed him up through whatever he went through. This, um, where it says, and, um, by anointing him with the oil of joy, that word there, joy, actually is the same word that was used in the Bible to describe what John the Baptist, the baby, did inside his mother's womb, leaping for joy. So the oil of joy that Jesus was anointed with was a, a joy that is so, a, a, an, ex, an emotion of such um, intensity that it makes you want to leap up and down for, for excitement, okay? That's what the word joy here, the oil of joy that he was anointed with, what it speaks about. Jesus was not a sad, boring recluse. He performed his first miracle at a wedding where he changed water into wine. And Jesus was so full of life that his enemies, they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. Now we know the truth that Jesus was not a drunkard, but how many of you have seen guys who are drunk and they're happy, happy. Even when they walk on the road and they're about to be knocked down by a car, they're still laughing. Yeah, we've all seen those kind of drunks, hey? Well, this is what Jesus' enemies were accusing him of. And they said, I think he's a drunkard. How can he be happy all the time? How? When we're just making life miserable for him and he's still laughing, he's still happy. What's going on? So they said, he must be drinking something. And that's the, what they accused him of. They didn't understand that in him was a genuine joy that they just couldn't explain. Jesus is the source of all joy. He was a man of joy, so deep and so durable that it would send him willingly into the jaws of death. 
And this Jesus turns to us and says in Matthew chapter 5, Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This is when in the Beatitudes, where we, um, the Bible says, If you're persecuted and rejected for my name, rejoice and be glad. The same scripture is repeated also in John chapter 6 where he says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Luke 10 verse 20 says, Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. So Jesus is not a hypocrite when he tells us to rejoice. He is a man of joy. He was a man of joy, and he is a God of joy, and he draws us into his own. He wants our joy, your joy, and my joy to be full. There's a saying that misery loves company. How many of you have heard that? Yeah, misery loves company. If you're a sad person, you kind of attract other depressed and complaining people around you, and they're not nice people to be around, but they kind of attract each other to each other. They're like magnets. But though misery loves company, the fullness of joy is even more contagious. When you have the joy of the Lord in your heart, and I believe that's why so many people love being around Jesus, whether you were a child or you were a sinner, it was just so nice to be with Jesus because he was fun to be with. He was a joyful person and that joy was contagious. One of the most astounding claims that Jesus makes right before he died was that he would not leave us limited to our own insufficient joy. In ourselves, we don't have any joy that lasts. We more likely have a bit of happiness when things are going good, but that doesn't help us through the hard times. And yet, the night before Jesus died, you would have thought that he had enough other things on his mind. He knew he was going to be crucified. And yet, his thoughts was about you and about me and his disciples. And he said he wanted his joy to be ours. Not just that he would have give us joy and that he wanted us to have joy, but he said that he wanted his joy to be in us the very joy of the Son of God to be poured into our souls. And the Bible, Jesus actually repeats it twice because he doesn't want us to miss it. The first time where he says it is to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 11, where he says, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. How attractive this joy of Jesus must have been for those who knew Jesus best, for his disciples, for him to make such a kind of statement. If Jesus said, I would love my joy to be in you, that's not an attractive thing if Jesus was a sad, depressed person all the time. I think it was like, oh, wow, that what you carry, that supernatural, amazing thing that just makes you overcome all the time, you're going to give that to us? That's what Jesus promised them. Secondly, he prays to his father in John chapter 17, and he says, I'm coming to you now, father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
That's Jesus' desire for his joy, the full measure of his joy to be inside of us. So Jesus came not only to show us how to live a joyful life, but to give us of his own life and help us to walk in life as overcomers with his joy. Jesus is the happiest being in the universe. As God's son and God himself, he's just a happy God. What an amazing God. It's so incredible. The joy of Jesus is not a joy that comes and goes. It's constant. Jesus said that this joy will remain in you. He didn't want it to be just something that you have a meal and then you're hungry after, but something that lasts in our lives. We will all have sorrow at times, but the Bible says in Isaiah 61 that God gives us the oil of joy for mourning. Amen. That means that in the times of mourning and in brokenheartedness, God is able to pour his oil of joy, his healing oil of joy upon our hearts, even in times of brokenheartedness. There's a man by the name of Joe Scriven. I don't know if any of you have heard about him. He lived more than 100 years ago. And um, he left Ireland and traveled to a tribe of Indians who had never heard the gospel. And he went there and gave his life to serve and to share the gospel with them. And he left behind him in Ireland his fiancée. When she finally sailed across the ocean, she was killed in a tra tragic accident. Here was a man of God who loved God, had given his life to serve him. He had to bury his fiancée with his own hands in a foreign land. A year later, he wrote a letter home to his mother with the words of the song that we love to sing. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. Can you imagine after losing his fiance, losing his hopes? This is what he wrote. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's exactly what we must learn to do. Well, how do we get more of this joy? Where, how do we tank up on this joy? Joy comes when we live in God's presence. I told you before that joy is contagious. When you're with him, it rubs off on you. So if you need more joy, you need to spend more time in his presence. Let's look at Psalm 16 and verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Can you see that? You fill me with joy in your presence. Joy comes when we live in the presence of God. And Psalms 21, verse 5 to 7, it says, Through the victories you gave... His glory, this is King David speaking about himself. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you granted him unending blessings and made him glad 
with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. In a world where celebrity and success and money are glorified, it's easy to focus on what things, focus on other things and forget where real joy comes from. So put simply, this scripture says, victories are good, glory is great, and they bring splendor and majesty as a result, but my joy comes when I spend time in the presence of God. So if we're a sad people, we need to get out of our busyness and our busy lives and spend time in his presence.